Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. Okay, this is Alan Blaine, and I'm fired up to bring you our special guest today, a man that has become a great friend of mine and someone I highly respect in a variety of ways, Mr. Jerry Brassfield. Jerry, thank you so much for being willing to come on this podcast and share some of your story with our audience today. Thank you. Pleasure to have you and uh, excited about this. Jerry Brassfield is a founder and entrepreneur who began his career as a pioneer in the nutritional supplement industry and direct selling. He is the founder of the global health and wellness company, Neo Life International, where he continues to serve as chairman. Jerry has a track record of success as an entrepreneur in the automobile, wine, and restaurant industries. He also serves on the boards of Shakey's USA, Auto Focus Inc., and Brassfield Estate Winery. Jerry, that's, I know, just scratching the surface a little bit of who you are, but if you wouldn't mind just starting us off by maybe even taking us back all the way to growing up and bringing us forward to how you got into the current occupations that you have today. As you well know, I'm from a very small town in the San Joaquin Valley, Porterville, California, and I grew up there in a, we'll say, a less than middle-class home environment, not a lot of money. My parents came out to California during the Dust Bowl, which affected Oklahoma and that region of the country. They were both from families next door to each other, mother and father, who were farming on land they didn't own. They called them sharecroppers in those days. And then that got wiped out with with the drought and the Dust Bowl, John Steinbeck wrote about that. And so they were part of the migration that came to California. So that's how I started out. My early years were just going to school. <laughs> Suffered from asthma severely. I think a lot of that at the time was due to the severity of my asthma, was due to the dust and the pollens and the farming and the environment that I lived in. So that's where I started. And then my mother reached out and found supplementation, nutritional supplements, and that helped me a lot. So I believed in the product that was my launch was in that space, we'll call it. And then from there, uh, just built on that. We were just talking about age here just a minute ago before we started the recording. And for our listeners, I don't think you'll mind me saying you're going to be 83 years old or 83 years young here in a few more months. That's right. April, April 9th. Okay. April 9th. If you want to shout out a happy birthday to Jerry. That's right. Or send a present. (laughs) There you go. So we're going back to what era? I mean, this is the asthma and all that was as a teenager, you said? Well, early on, asthma almost died every year, very severe. And then I started to get better at age 15, when 14, when my mother introduced me to supplements like liquid vitamin mineral supplement, which they made no attempt to disguise the taste, and cod liver oil and some things that taste really horrible. So she forced me to take them and and I got better. Well, we have some things in common for the listeners. I grew up in a town of Tulare, California, which is maybe 20 miles. I'm not sure 20 exactly. Miles away. Yeah, 20, yeah, 20 miles. miles from Porterville. And of course, Jerry and I didn't know each other and we're a few 
decades apart in age. But anyway, we grew up there and my grandparents, so one more generation removed, but my grandparents also migrated to that central valley of California from Oklahoma in the Dust Bowl <laughs> era as well. So a lot in common, I guess, with that regard. But continue on, Jerry, if you would. So you struggled with some health challenges as a child. You didn't grow up with a bunch of money, had some health challenges, found nutrition or your mother found nutrition, which helped you. What happened from there? When did you start in the entrepreneurial world? What age were you and how did you kind of get started in that? Well, before I do that, I'd like to just ask you, do you think there's anybody we could sue because we've both lost our hair? We're from Tulare County. <laughs> there must be some class action we could join, you know, except I do think we look better without it. But Well, it's a lot quicker to get ready in the morning. <laughs> and, and I can say, you know, I have seen plenty of other bald people from other states well, besides California. <laughs> yes, well, you can wash your hair and dry it with a damp rag. So that's that makes it real quick. Well, first of all, I believed in supplementation because my mother forced it on me. So at age 19, I was introduced to a direct selling company. That's what we called it in those days. And now we would call that multi-level or network marketing or social marketing or so many different labels that's been put on it through the years. But I was invited to a meeting. My brother, Bob, loaned me the $48.50 it took to buy a kit, which is about 10 times that today. So it'd be $450. And then I started my journey or, or I wanted to build a business and I believed I could sell the products because of my personal belief. And that turned out to be so. Well, you've had a ton of success and not near enough time on this episode to go into all of your successes, but they are numerous. Although I did love hearing your daughter Kendra share back in July with me and several others that you are committed to not being a billionaire because you will make sure you always give away plenty to ensure that's not the case. And, you know, I just resonated with the heart that I see in you and Kendra of wanting to serve and wanting to give. And one of the things that attracts me to both of you so much, and one of the things, as I started off saying, I highly respect you for and admire you for, but even with all of your business success and businesses that you own and are a part of, I have no doubt. In fact, I know a few because you've shared a few, but uh, probably just scratching the surface on some of the many challenges you've been through. What would you say is one or more of some of the more substantial challenges you faced in your life up to this point? That's an interesting question. I look at challenges today differently than I looked at them in my early years. Looking back, it's easy to have perfect hindsight. But in my early years, I thought of challenges as obstacles, a difficult tasks, something that I had to fight and deal with. And I would talk about them, my challenges. I would concentrate on them. And somehow I would get through. And these challenges were everything from financial challenges. They were getting over the health challenges. And they were the fears of the things I needed to do in order to be successful. Basic one would be talk to people I don't know. Uh, and so that sometimes stops people. But anyway, those are the challenges. And I will say that in those days, I was okay with myself. I have a loving family. I had a relationship with God at an early age. So I thought I'm okay, but I realized that I needed to transition to a better form of myself. So as I look at challenges today, 
I think challenges carry with it, and I know they carry with it a certain beauty because we know we learn from our experiences. And then in order to learn, the ones that teach us the most are mistakes. And in order to learn from that mistake, we have to make it first, okay? We right. can't learn before we make it. And so I now want to make mistakes because if I don't make mistakes today, I'm not doing anything, but I don't want to make fatal mistakes. I don't want to make big mistakes. But I realize that whether it's a physical contest I would have with my brother Bob or a some other kind of a thing that would measure my skills against somebody else in driving a race car or whatever it might be, it's a problem, it's a challenge, it's an obstacle, but at the end, there's a reward. So there's a beauty in that process that I've learned along the way. So I think that some of the challenges, my biggest challenges that I was afraid of many times were the ones who never occurred. It was fear of the possibility of a disaster, which somehow got nullified along the way. So I can't pick out one over the other. There were things that scared me to death and turned out to be nothing. And there were other things that seemed to be small that almost took me down. So it's a life stream of challenges. There's no way to live life without having challenges, period. I love the point you made about a lot of the fears of the unknown that never even came to be. And I'm sure you've heard it. Probably many of our listeners have heard the acronym for fear. And there's many different ones people will make, but false expectations appearing real or something along those lines. There's different variations of it. But I feel like that's so oftentimes the things we fear the majority of the time in my experience. And I think that's what you're alluding to or you mentioning it. It never comes to be. It's never something worth fearing. It never happens. It never happens and it holds us back. But I remember one time you sharing publicly that somebody, I guess, embezzled over a million dollars from you. And, you know, to some people probably, I mean, maybe even at the time walking through a challenge like that, it might have seemed really big. But probably I'm guessing at this point in your life, you look back on something like that. I guess that's a question for you. Is that just one of the many? I mean, is it not even that big a deal at this point? That was a bookkeeper, an accountant in a Japanese company. And it was 40 years ago now, but we didn't have a lot of money, but we had enough money to manufacture products, ship them into various places. And we would rely on that company to reimburse us for the products, the main company I'm talking about. And so we had an accounting person, a Korean man, and he set up a bank account that made it look like our bank account, only it was his, used the same company name. And then when he paid the invoice for the product, when the Japanese company paid, the money went into his account. And so this was the 300000 then some more, and it ended up to be $1.2 million. And we had run out of money. And so one of our, our accounting people from California went to Tokyo and discovered the fraud. And this man had disappeared, okay? So rumor was that maybe he was in Korea. And so we had no way of finding him and the money was gone. So I happened to be in Mexico City dealing with the adoption of my uh, oldest daughter, Melissa. And so I was there to deal with, she's from Guatemala. 
And I was dealing with that. And I got the news that he had embezzled the money and there was nothing for me to do. I got on my knees. I'm a believer in prayer. <laughs> and I simply asked God to change his heart, the thief. I said, please, his name was Sam Kikuchi. And I said, God, please change his heart and give the money back. And two days later, I got a call from the guy who discovered the fraud. He said, you're not going to believe what happened. He said, Sam came into the office in Tokyo and said, I'm not a thief. I feel terrible. I should not have done this. Please forgive me. And could I get psychiatric help because I'm not thinking right? And we sent him to a counselor and paid for it in California. He was very thankful and grateful. And he went back to Korea. And the last I heard, he had a ministry to children, to young adults in Korea. So it all worked out, you know, and, and we wow. get the money back. <laughs> what a story. What a oh, story. It's amazing, yes. But at the time, you didn't know it was going to play out like that. Like you said. No, no, no. It's one of those things that I thought it could be the end. Maybe we could have gone and borrowed. Who knows what we could have done? I don't know. But certainly we were fearful. So, yeah. So the context, that was my question. I think you just answered it is the context was 1.2 million is a lot of money today to anybody, but it was many, many, many years, decades ago. And at that point in time, that was a huge, huge deal to you, correct? Yeah, it would have been like six or seven, eight million dollars today. Yeah. Right. Wow. Big deal. I want to ask you some more questions about challenges and your mindset around challenges. And I've got a few questions as we start to head towards the end. But before we do that, I have to ask you this. You've been, again, so successful in business. We're going to talk more about overcoming challenges. But before we jump to that, what do you think has been one of the keys to your success? And I know it's not about your success, this interview, but I just think it's super important to ask you that question. And I know it's not one thing. But what would you say that you might go to share well, with our listeners? Benjamin Franklin said the definition of a genius is someone who has a goal and a vision and sticks to it until it becomes a reality. And then that's a genius, okay? It doesn't have anything to do with how much education you have. The wealthiest people in the world today don't have a complete university education. So it has to do with sticking to, I believe, one thing is sticking to whatever it is you decide to do. And in my case, all of the things I've been able to do have been as a result of building my distributorship and the distributorship became a company and I'm still involved in that today. For example, I've never given a sales talk or encouragement to anybody in the auto business that I own a part of. I simply invested money I made, and I've never sold a car. I've never been there and waited on a customer. I don't do it. I never gave a talk to anybody in the restaurant business, which was the biggest company that I'm a part of. I have a partner, and I basically bought BJ's restaurants and brewery when it was five restaurants. And small restaurants and built it up to over 200. So when I walk into a BJ's restaurant, they don't even know who I am. So I'm a shareholder and it's a public company. If you want to be the same as me, just go buy a share of it. I mean, it's not difficult. So basically it is sticking to the one thing that I know how to do, seem to know how to do. And there's a compounding effect. And this is really the answer to your question. What does it take or what happens? And 
compounding effect is easy to follow when you're talking about a return on an investment, annual compounded rate of return. And then that process also applies to every other area of your life. Now, compounding effect is that every day when you have an interest rate and you're compounding it, it's additive to the total. And it almost seems like a miracle when you compound it over 20, 30 years. But guess what? Over in the area of just living your life, there's a compounding effect going on. If it's in the area of your mental capacity, well, every day, if you're learning and reading and studying and thinking the right thoughts, it's additive to what you know already. And then if you keep doing this, at some point, just like in the financial area, it seems like a miracle when you have a breakthrough. If you are concentrating on your health and every day you just concentrate on doing a little exercise and eating the right foods and thinking the right thoughts and staying away from too much of the things that can harm you. Well, guess what? It's additive every day, every day, every day. Pretty soon, I believe that my condition today, you know, weigh 184 pounds this morning. I 212 was my highest. So it's hard to manage your weight. It's also hard not to manage it. That's another hard deal. It's hard to exercise. It's also hard if you don't exercise. And so life is hard. You get to choose, though, which hard are you going to have, right? Right. I think that for me, in making not always the right choice, but making enough choices that at almost 83, I don't take any medications. I'm healthy. I work out almost daily. I have a gym at home, and I just do maybe half an hour, 45 minutes of exercise. I try to walk a number of steps every day, don't get it done every day. I try not to eat too much ice cream, okay? So as you do these, you rely on this compounding effect. And most people give up before you have a breakthrough. I don't want to talk about my business too much, but you have a lot of people, no matter what the business is, you're going to have naysayers that are going to fight you every step of the way. I was a naysayer. For Elon Musk, I've had people ask me about his shares when they were $30 before they split two or three times. And I predicted he'd go broke and shares would go to zero and whatnot. I talked my daughter Kendra into selling half of hers, which she's never lets me forget. And, uh, you know, by the way, I sat next to a man that manages all of Bill Gates's money at a dinner. And he told me the same thing. He had bet against Elon Musk and that he was going to go to zero. So I had people backing up my naysayer attitude. And guess what? I was totally wrong. And that's not the only time I've been wrong. But if you are going down this road and you want to build a business and you know there's certain things you have to do, and you might say, well, I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to introduce myself to anybody new. I'm not a leader. I don't care what you say. You can say, I'm not this, I'm not that. Well, no one is born with a sign that says leader. But guess what? If you just add a little something in that direction daily, and it all is accredited, and you know a little bit more about it, and a little bit more about it, and a little bit more about it, and a little bit more about it, no matter where you start, you can have that breakthrough that says, wow, this is so easy, I can't believe it. And it seems like a miracle. It isn't. It's just the way it happens. And so your health, 
your mental attitude, your education doesn't happen at school. It happens after you get out of school. And so all of these things are additive. And when you get several of them going, it happens in your spiritual life. You want to know what God thinks? Read the Bible. That's his message to us and get informed about it. That's all. No matter what the area of life is, get this compounding effect going in all the areas of your life. And then your life will seem miraculous because it just happens that way. I love that, Jerry. It's consistency, right? It's the consistency and the compounding effect of that consistent time. And you said it so well. It, it relates to our health, our finances, you know, our relationships, every way. And I love that. Choose your heart. We get to choose our heart. You know, it, it's hard to build a business, but it's hard to be broke. It's hard to lose weight, but it's hard to be overweight. Like we all get to choose our heart. You know, some are harder than others. <laughs> right. That's true. I can't let this one go, though. When you said you, you missed on Tesla, just because you've shared the story years ago, I heard it. I know you said you've made other mistakes. And was Corona beer one of them? Yeah, Corona was. Yeah, I don't want to go into a lot of detail there, but no. I was in Mexico and I was introduced to them and because I had a reputation of knowing how to market things. And my criticism when I met with the representatives of Corona was that uh, silkscreen bottle that you see through and you have to put the slice a lemon in the beer because it wasn't that good and that packaging will never work. And so being the expert, I gave my opinion. I was a naysayer. Okay. Turned down the whole thing. And of course it became a bigger import beer than Heinz. So, uh, you know, but that's it. I mean, I listened to Bill Gates talk about Apple and he put money in Apple. Uh, he put $200 million dollars. And then when it got up a ways, he sold out, not a nice profit, but had he kept it, it would be 120 billion today. So I don't know anybody that doesn't make mistakes, but what Warren Buffett says is that think long-term, don't make the mistake of buying a share of a company. If you look at a company like Apple or like, it could be Coca-Cola, Apple, it could be any company that is solid, strong financials and growing. PepsiCo is one. They're not just a soft drink company. They own Gatorade. They own Quaker Oats. They own so many other companies within that salty snack. They have all that. Well, if you own that company and you look at a 10-year chart, the chart doesn't just go up or down. It goes up and then down and then up high, higher and then down, then up higher and down and up higher and down, up higher and down. Well, the lesson I've learned from watching and listening to people who are much smarter than me, is that if you missed the boat in Apple when it was $8 a share before it split many times, you would say, oh, I wish I'd have got in then. Well, when's the right time to get in? Well, if you look at that chart over 10 years, you could have bought at the top every time before it went down and you'd still be okay. So by making the big mistake in life is when you think of a long-term goal and then you hit an obstacle and you sell out, and you dump all the knowledge that you know about that particular endeavor, and you start over with some other endeavor, and you got to learn over again there. So people spend their life starting over, starting over, starting over. They don't even realize what they know. They don't realize their education. They don't realize this compounding effect, and they toss it out the window. And sometimes it's because somebody else told them it's a bad idea. And then that's why I brought up the Corona as well, because to me, 
for you to reject that as a business deal, to reject Tesla back in the day as a, as a good investment, and to know the context is that you've been wildly successful in way more things than you failed at, but that you've, if we want to call them failures, I think that's fair to say, failures along the way, and yet still succeeded in spite of it because of your consistency, because of your work ethic, because of God's blessing, because of things you've learned, because of the mindsets you've had. And a lot of the things you've shared, even in this interview today, it's very encouraging for me at 50 years old with a lot of life, Lord willing, left in my life and a lot more mistakes to, to make, <laughs> a lot more things to learn. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. It really is. And I think so many people are paralyzed by fear of failure, as we talked about a few minutes ago, that they are afraid to step out and try something new or accomplish something new. And it just breaks my heart to see that. And they're missing out on something that they could be accomplishing or something God may be calling them to do. So much insight here. Is there anything that you feel like could help our listeners that could have better prepared you for challenges ahead that you maybe wish you would have known when you were younger or something maybe even you would tell your younger self now as advice? before going through some of those major challenges that you've faced already in your life? Everybody is at some point in their life. Everybody today is somewhere. And I think the most important thing is to say, I'm okay where I am right now. I'm okay. And I cannot be static. I'm either going to get worse than my situation or I'm going to get better. You're not going to stay the same. So knowing that you're okay, accept yourself, who you are, how you look, you know, the Bible says, love God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love your neighbor, what do you do? In fact, he even went so far, Christ went so far as saying, if you follow that one commandment, you take care of all the rest. Because if you love somebody, you don't steal from them, you don't lie to them, you care about them, and you want what's best for them if you really love them. Well, I think if you start there, and then you say, okay, I want to care about people. Okay, that's what I'm supposed to be here. I think then you start on this path. And if I'm going to care about people, I've got to have more resources to care about them with. I'm against communism because definition of communist is somebody who has nothing and is willing to share it with everybody. Okay. And so that to me doesn't work. You have to have something. And then you can share it. And that is what I'm most excited about. I want to be healthy. If everybody could realize they're in transition. And then everybody needs a goal, right? You need somebody in your life that cares about you and you care about them. Okay. You need a purpose greater than yourself. Okay. You need a relationship with God. And then just say, okay, look, life is a struggle. But that's not a reason to do nothing, okay? And to accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes. And so rather than how to handle these mistakes, you don't know. These mistakes are going to come. They come out of every corner of your life, okay? My oldest son rushed to the hospital this morning, very bad condition, and, you know, fell and hit his head and, and whatnot. And if I wasn't here on the podcast, I would be over at the hospital with him. But I tell you what, I'm going to get over there when we finish. And I know that uh, most likely he'll come out of this, hopefully. So life is full of this stuff. And we cannot predict it. The one thing that will help everybody is to walk through that door, face that challenge, 
and figure it out because everything passes, everything. And if you do what's right, then you'll help people and you'll encourage people and you will let them grow. You'll let them create and develop and help. And the challenges will come and they'll tell you, you can't do it. I've been told on everything I've ever done that you shouldn't do it. When I invested so many in BJ's restaurants and Shakey's pizzas and all that, all the Shakey's pizzas in the company, I was told there's so many restaurant business, so hard. It's so this, it's so that and everything else. So when I went into the auto business, I was told you can't do that. It's a complicated deal, blah, blah, blah. And why are you putting your money in there? Why don't you just put it in the bank? I mean, come on. And I was told when I, my wife, I'm flying my helicopter. We're flying over some vineyards through Napa Valley. She's looking at thousands of acres of vineyards. And I'm telling her we're going to plant vineyards. She's saying, are you seeing all these vineyards? You're going to plant vineyards? Are you crazy? That's my wife sitting next to me, okay? And then when I started getting into it more and more and more, well, now we've planted 550 acres, got another 600 acres being planted in the next couple of years. And I'm going up to 2,000 acres of grapes. Why? Long-term, you know, it's going to be okay. I've never done anything, anything that someone didn't say. Many people would say, you're crazy or this or that and everything. And then when it works out, they say, you know what? I always knew you were making it. <laughs> exactly. You're a genius. <laughs> It is so true. And there's a huge takeaway for everybody, too, because there's always going to be naysayers. And no matter what we set out to do, if it's different than the masses are doing, I guess maybe that's an add on there to say, which was always the case, I guess, in all these contexts of what you're talking about. Right. Just a couple last questions and we'll wrap this up. There's been so much great information, Jerry. I'm just curious, what are you most excited about or one of the things you're most excited about currently? Like you're talking about the future and long term just a minute ago. Just <laughs> And I'm sorry about your son struggling physically, by the way. We'll make sure we pray for his situation. I didn't want to overlook that or make light of that. I know that's another challenge right there you're dealing with. But when you think about the future, what is one of the things that excites you most currently? Well, I'm thankful for the 82 and almost 83 completed years that I've lived. I'm thankful that I'm healthy. And if it's God's will, I may have another 5, 10, 15, who knows how many years. 25? I'll take 25. And it it may work out that I'm middle-aged and it'll go to, you know, (laughs) 165 or 70. But... but, Whatever it is, okay, I'm happy. And if God takes me today, I'm happy about that too. So I'm not worried. Now, while I'm here, I want to see the businesses that I have and the relationships that I have improve and flourish and be fruitful, okay? That's what I hope for. And I believe all my heart that, you know, the auto business may come and go and who knows and Who knows what kind of car? I mean, I just finished building a huge new Toyota facility, borrowed $40 million, and I spent another 15. So, and by the way, that's me personally. This is not Neolife. Neolife has no debt. (laughs) That's the goose that lays the golden egg. So that company has to stay alive. Me personally, I'm not immune to debt, okay? But you know what? Just at the time I got that building built and then Governor Newsom here in California says in 1935, there'll be no more uh, cars as we know it and it'll all be, be electric and so on. So who knows? So I don't know. I don't know 
what's going to happen with any of the businesses, except I know that we'll be okay in the Neolife business simply because it is perfect. It goes right through the storms. It has for many, many, many years on my side of the deal, over 60 years, and it's gone up and downs and whatnot. And we're able to adjust our prices accordingly. We stay in business. We don't make any more profit on sales and any other traditional business. You have to make a little bit to stay in business. And so I believe that the future will go up and down and we're going to scoot right on through that and be okay. I would ask for your contact information so people could follow along on your journey, but I already know you don't do social media. So we'll just bypass that on this call. In fact, I told you that the other day. And then you said, yeah, you do. You have a website. I said, wait a minute. I checked into it. You're right. Okay. Kendra, you know what? I had about five people on Facebook, different individuals around the world who were saying they were me, Uh, even had my photos and various things like that. And so we looked into taking me off of there. The only way I could do it was she had to sign me up. And unbeknownst to me, she's kept my site going and posting a few things. And as soon as I get off of this podcast today, I'm going to go tell her to take me off again. I'd rather have impersonators than be on there. So I have no interest in that. I don't have time for it. Right. Well, well, good luck seeing if she can get her to take you down (laughs) off of Facebook. Jerry, again, any closing comment as as I wrap this up that you you want to share with our listeners? You know, thank you, Alan, for having me on here. My regards to your wife, Nicole, and family. And I know you've struggled with your own issues. And I would just encourage you, brother, to stay the course. Life's not going to be easy. And I would say this, if we could be anywhere to live in the world globally, this is the very best country in the world to be in. We have our problems, you know? And so just accept the way things are. But in that, do your best to protect your family, to provide for your family, to know that you can't go anywhere in the world and be in a better spot, okay, than you are right here. And so I would encourage you to just know that how blessed you are and I am for being here and being able to do what we do in an environment where we can participate in the free enterprise system and capitalism, and we can worship how we would like, and we don't get locked up for doing so. I appreciate that. And I agree. I'm thankful to be here in the USA. And I'm thankful to have met you many, many years ago and become friends. I'm thankful for your mentorship and guidance and Kendra's succession leading the company. And I just want to thank you again for coming on here and sharing just a little bit of your wisdom with our listeners today. Thank you so much, Jerry. I promise you, I would pick you up sometime in a jet and take you somewhere. And so I know Kendra has been talking to you about that. And so when you're ready, I think that on that trip, I'm going to fly it myself. So you're going to have an 83-year-old guy flying you around at 600 miles an hour. Okay, so. Are you just trying to give me another life challenge to talk about here? (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Alan. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contact page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.